0: This is Livingston Says.
1: This episode of Livingston Says is brought to you by Zen Den Wellness. Inhale calm and exhale stress with mindfulness and meditation. Visit zendenmind.com to book your group or private session.
2: Hello, and welcome to Livingston Says. I'm Alexis Rubenstein, and I will be joined by Victoria Alfieri. We will be running a show called Bringing Back Broadway, about Broadway. Tonight, we will be joined by our guest.
1: Quentin Avery Brown.
2: Before we get into things, please remember to tell all your friends to find and follow us on both Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Instagram. Now, with that all out of the way, let's get started. Quentin
1: Avery-Brown is a multidisciplinary artist and entrepreneur. He is the executive director of Independent Artist Playhouse. He has traveled the country as a backup singer for two Elton John tribute shows, as well as performed in various theatrical productions at several regional theaters. In Atlanta, he has had the privilege of performing on stage with the Atlanta Lyric Theater, True Colors Theater Company, Legacy Theater, Alliance Theater, and the Aurora Theater. As a singer and songwriter, you can find his singles, To Be in Love and Find Someone to Love, available on all music platforms. During the pandemic, he spent his time developing shows such as Music and Pictures, Ladies of the 80s, and The Men of Motown with the Aurora Welcome series. You can find him dancing in Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square on Netflix and in the upcoming movie, A Jasmine's Blues by Tyler Perry.
2: Hello, Quentin. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Hello, ladies. It's my pleasure to join you. How are you today?
2: Good. We're doing good. You have, like, done so many things in the performing arts field. What did you love the most, though, if you had to, like, pick one?
0: I love performing. Performing will always be number one in my heart. There's nothing like being on a stage And getting to pour your heart into whatever character you're playing uh, for an audience of people.
1: Oh, my gosh, definitely. So, like, prior to the pandemic, what would you say, like, you were kind of, like, doing regarding Broadway, like, as a whole?
0: So, the last show I worked on was Five Guys Named Mo. It closed on March 1st. It was at the Westchester Broadway Theater um, up in Westchester, New York. And my hustle job, like, when I wasn't in the show, was working uh, as a backstage door subperson for the Shubert organization. They own 17 of the Broadway theaters.
2: Awesome. When COVID began, did you, like, think it was going to be as serious as it was? Like, could you ever imagine COVID shutting down theater for as long as it did?
0: I don't think anybody imagined it. So definitely not. Um... I appreciated the time off though. It was a nice reset period.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, like it was kind of like, it's kind of like almost like a brain break almost, but Absolutely. Um, what did you do during the COVID-19 pandemic to kind of like stay connected to Broadway and kind of to like stay employed in the Broadway kind of field?
0: So I did a virtual production of this show called *Chris Kringle* the musical. I actually got to do uh, in-person production and in IRL in real life <laughs> um, <laughs> in 2019 up at Proctor's Main Stage in Schenectady, New York. So the following Christmas they were planning to do something, so it ended up being virtual. So that was like the first project I worked on. I produced uh, this reading on this app that was um, bursting at the time called Clubhouse. So it was basically like um, the old radio plays they used to do on the radio back in like the 1920s and 40s. And I wrote a lot of music.
2: Yeah, we have definitely seen you publicizing your music on Instagram and uh, other platforms. But now that Broadway is coming back, how have you seen it like come back to life firsthand?
0: Um, I've been fortunate enough to go to so many invited dress rehearsals for a lot of the shows that have reopened. I was at Waitress, Chicago, um, and a few others. It was so surreal to be in the audience and to feel that electrifying energy light up those performers. Um, I've also been working as a COVID compliance manager for Moulin Rouge and for The Music Man. So to be a part of helping those shows um, get back to Broadway and reopen safely has been incredible.
1: Oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. So you were talking about like how you worked as a COVID compliance officer. Could you kind of like explain what a COVID compliance officer is?
0: Yeah. So there are different levels to it. You have the COVID compliance officers at the venues hire. They're just responsible for making sure that everyone that enters the building has a vaccination card. They're vaccinated. Um, and that they've got a recent test and that they're wearing their mask appropriately. I work on the production side of that, so I work with um, the production companies. And so I'm responsible for the safety of the cast and the creative team. So anybody press related that's considered an essential visitor, they have to receive a negative PCR test within 72 hours and then we also test them the day of their arrival.
2: So, did you have like any friends who had just made it big? right before Broadway, maybe just landed a role and then just COVID shut it down automatically.
0: Yeah, I had a a couple friends that joined the Mean Girls tour. I had a friend that booked the Britney Spears musical called Once Upon a One More Time. There were so many people literally, you know, making their Broadway debuts that were just kind of like, are you kidding me? Like people that they got through the rehearsal period and they had performed for one night and then that was it. Everything shut down.
1: Yeah, it was, like, it was just that feeling of, like, everything, like, all that, like, work and all that, like, coming together just for, Yeah,
2: I mean, I think everyone felt that a little bit, uh, whether you're doing a show on Broadway or you're doing your community school production of uh, Aladdin. And, I mean, we had to completely restart our um, school musical two years in a row. So that was kind of affected everyone in the theater community. Yeah. Since COVID happened,
1: like, has it been hard for many people, you know, to switch from doing nothing, like, for the past year and a half, essentially, to being back in the theater and just there, like, all the time?
0: Absolutely. Our industry is is one of the toughest industries out there. It's just as competitive as, you know, going through your residency program and becoming a doctor you receive so many no's in the audition process. So having, you know, that 16 months, 18 months of rest, a lot of people decided, you know what, honestly, I don't want to return to that or I want to return to that in a different capacity and help assist with the change of theater and make it more, um, you know, diversity, have more diversity and more equitable and all of that. So there were definitely people that were hit hard by, you know, that break and the mentality of returning to, such a tough industry.
2: So, like, not even related to COVID and and making sure your vaccine, like, obviously that has changed, but how else has the industry changed after the past year and a half?
0: Um, There's a lot more social justice work that's happening. Um, The playing field definitely hasn't been level as far as the diversity on Broadway. Like, if you look at the statistics of the representation on the stage it was very lacking and more than on the stage like behind the scenes producers managers everything like that so moving forward into this new you know broadway 2.0 let's say um there's been a lot more introducing and hiring people of color to give them more opportunities and to get them the same exposure that all of these people have had for years because it's a very probably it's very much like um it's a family company let's look at it like that so a lot of people you know who have been in the job for years they just hand that job over to like a relative or their closest friend so their circle of people who are getting into the circle is just like this when there's a community of tons of people who want to have access but they never end up getting access because it instantly goes to somebody's friend
1: yep And how do you think on that same note, like theater will continue to evolve in the next few years?
0: I think that the shows will start to reflect the people of this country more. And that's such a beautiful thing. I also think that people will start to do things to create and produce in their own capacity. Because I think The goal is Broadway, but why can't Broadway be, like, in other locations? Broadway doesn't have to just be in New York City. Why can't there be, like, a Broadway in Atlanta or Broadway in Philadelphia or Los Angeles, etc?
2: So, um, if you had the ability to see, like, any show, you could rewatch it or you could see it for the first time, um, what would it be and why, like...
0: Is it a show on Broadway currently or a show that has happened Any. in the past? Any. So I would have to see Shrek the Musical. Yes. It's near and dear to my heart. It's fun. It's lighthearted. It um, celebrates people who are different. That show is top tier in my heart.
1: Just a random little question. Who's Absolutely. your favorite Shrek character? Because I need to know
0: that this. Show. Oh, Pinocchio, my gosh. My character. So I got to play Dunkey um, in Atlanta. It was incredible. But when I first heard the musical, I fell in love with the Pinocchio character. Like, I was mm. dying to play that part.
1: Oh, my
2: gosh. That's amazing. So talking about favorite parts, what was your favorite part that you've ever played?
0: I would have to say being Teen Angel in Greece at Kansas City Starlight. Um, if you know the show, Teen Angel sings one song and it's a very like show-stopping number. Um, I got to do that in front of an audience of 8,000 people. So it was incredible. I had this flashy wig and these costumes, and then um, I had like the ensemble, which was like 25 people deep. All the ladies had on these glowing LED wigs. Um, It was just nice to kind of like, you know, be the center of a number and have all of these background dancers and to to depict this story to Frenchie um oh so God. definitely that memory
1: oh my gosh that sounds amazing so like kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about like why can't there be broadway in like atlanta why can't there be broadway in like other like places do you think like because i know there's been like a lot more said about it like recently with like off broadway productions and stuff not being considered like as like i Authentic. guess like yeah as like a broadway production what's your kind of like thoughts on that
0: I think it's basically Broadway is just classified as these theaters in this set location. So within these like 12 to 14 blocks. And so the rates, I guess when you think about a Broadway is about a certain amount of money that you receive or a certain amount of exposure and accessibility. But then we also, what the community does is that they label these regional theaters in various places um, as like a Tony house. So in the at Atlanta, it's the Alliance Theater. If you're in DC, it's the Signature or it's um, Arena Stage. These theaters have won like regional Tonys, so they're obviously just as prestigious. It's where as prestigious it's where a lot of uh, Broadway shows start before they move to Broadway. So I think if we just focus more on like you know like Hamilton had a production sit down in Chicago, why can't we do more of that? Like why can't there be a sit down production in Los Angeles? They used to do that. Um, back in the day, but it doesn't happen that often anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do feel like that is important because with COVID, I mean, not, everyone might not want to go all the way to New York if they don't like live there and Mm -hmm. see a Broadway show, but they still want to be able to experience that for sure. Um, Personally, at Livingston High School, our teacher is trying to be very mindful that not everyone can like, come all the way to see our shows. So, um, recording was a good, um, way to combat that. Speaking of recording over quarantine, um, a few Broadway shows such as Hamilton were published on um, Disney plus. Did you think that was like a good kind of um, strategy? Yeah. Strategy. So they could still publicize.
0: Absolutely. I think making theater accessible for everyone is a must. There are so many people who cannot afford to spend the thousands of dollars it costs to go to New York, but their family can afford, you know, that $12 a month member subscription to Netflix or, you know, Apple TV or whatever that is. Um, I definitely understand why producers don't do that as often because it could potentially be a loss in revenue sales, but... PBS used to do something a lot back in the day. They don't do it as much. I hope that we'll get to a place where they do that more. Um, But if you go to New York, you can um, go to like the public library and there's like a recording of every Broadway show that's ever happened. Um, You can't take it with you, but you can like sit down at a computer and like plug it in and just like listen and sit there and watch it. So
1: Yeah, and I know I'm pretty sure like there was like Broadway on demand or something that went on during quarantine where they had like Mm -hmm some shows but like not a giant selection so it's like not only like was it hard during the pandemic to see shows but there's a lot of people that just like can't go and it's a huge problem and it'd be so nice so
2: i think that definitely that something should continue to happen maybe not necessarily record a whole show but try and do something to make broadway more accessible to everyone um i mean they're
0: definitely definitely working on that like come from away you know that went and they recorded that obviously them doing this live production of wicked that's occurring and the you know production of annie that's happening this friday like that's a great way to obviously Annie's not a new story like we all know Mm -hmm. the music of annie but (laughs) it's still creating a platform um for shows to be seen
2: yep yeah speaking of annie um I watched the little uh, performance uh, on the Macy's Day Parade, and I was honestly blown away by the new uh, Annie's, the new actor's voice. It was great.
0: Uh, She's from Atlanta. Ooh. (laughs) Great. Um, She works with this company called AGI Entertainment. Um, (laughs) They have a lot of clients that are in, like, The Lion King. They have a client that's uh, the lead in Jack a Little Pill. Um so she's incredible and she's like 5 years old. She's 11 or 12.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so as a covid compliancer, do you do you work with like children?
0: We have 10 kids in the music van. I do.
2: So do you have, so are all of them able to get vaccinated? They're probably all old
0: enough. Oh so that no, they weren't initially. We have so initially when the show started, the vaccine wasn't available for kids under 12. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously that just changed in the past month. So they're in the process of getting vaccinated.
2: So before that, did you have to like regularly COVID test them and everything?
0: We did. So the normal, the standard for Broadway is to have two COVID tests a week. But if you're unvaccinated, our kids did three uh, times a week. All right. Just for the extra protection.
2: Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us, Q. (laughs)
0: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
2: All right. This was the first episode of Bringing Back Broadway.